TotallyTickets.com presents the Franchise Oklahoma City Thunder First Take Post Game Show on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. Finally, the, Finally. the Oklahoma City Thunder have won a home game. Oh my God! It's a miracle, Brady oh, Trantho. Whoa! A Christmas miracle indeed. The Thunder come all the way back twice to defeat the Chicago Bulls 127 to 125 in overtime. A pair of massive comebacks, like we said. That's Brady Trantham, Ian Ryan, Chapman at Brady Does Sports at Radios Ryan on the Twitter machine. Get in touch with us, tweet us all of your Thunder overreactions. A, a huge run, Brady. I think it was 25 to to four or five at one point in the third quarter that really cut into that lead. And then the 19 to three run to close the fourth quarter for the Thunder to tie the game and force overtime. Shea Gildas Alexander, a career high 33 points on 13 of 19 shooting. Lou Dort, 21 points on seven of 15 shooting. Four of 11 from deep. Yikes on that. But the most important thing, he forced six steals. We had. Kendrick Williams, he played well. Isaiah Roby played well in his his time. Brady, what do you take away from this game other than the fact that it was an absolutely catastrophic meltdown for the Chicago Bulls? Yeah, what was what was it? Twenty six point comeback last season against the Bulls with Chris Paul on the squad, Daniel Gallinari, and those guys. Uh, that exciting Thunder team, and now a twenty two point meltdown by the Chicago Bulls. It was seventy eight to fifty six with about nine minutes to go. Uh, in the third quarter, I believe. And from that point on, the Thunder just took it. And look, this was a game that we all probably thought late first quarter, midway through the second quarter, yep, this is going to be a loss. But you know what? This is the season of losses. You're supposed to lose a lot of games. This is a young roster. This is a roster with some fringe NBA talent. You're going to lose a lot of games. But hey, it's for the future. The Thunder have a ton of draft assets. We've talked about that stuff a zillion times. We're going to talk about it a billion times more for the next five six months probably even past that but something that really needs to be focused on especially with a win like this these aren't going to come around a lot not just the wins but in the manner this game was won this entire time look if you're a thunder fan that wants to get Cade cunningham tonight was not a very good night for you but uh with this season you they probably have about four or five wins more than you would probably want at this point in the season but you want SGA to be a part of the, the franchise moving forward. Not just that, you want him to be the face of the franchise. You want to see him do well in a moment like this. You want to see him do well in a moment like this. You want to see him help lead a comeback. You want to see Lou Dort, who's shooting in the mid-40s from the three-point line this season. Do we, do we know if that's sustainable? We don't know. We don't know what his ceiling is. But my goodness... Hitting big shots to help lead a comeback and then get a win in overtime from your young guys, that's incredible. That's what you want to see out of a young core is learning how to win when nothing is going right, when the offense is stagnant, when the defense is porous, when they're able to flip a switch, play good defense, have an exciting offense, and hit shots in the meantime. And it was primarily by your young guys, Sands, Darius, Baisley. That's That's great. Brady, I hear what you're saying, but not everyone out there is rooting for this young core to succeed as we now bring in 
the the president, the chairman, the bridge troll of the Shea Gildas Alexander. I hate that person. The the hate club for for Shea Gildas Alexander. We go to Jerry Ramsey. Jerry, you have been a, a Shea denier over the years, two of them to be exact. What can you say tonight as Shea Gildas Alexander sets a career high and basically just took the game over there at one point down the stretch? <laughs> What is happening? Jerry, Jerry. Is that not great radio? Jerry, I'm running my Jerry, own theme music. You can, just, you can just text me next time, bro. I'll pull it up on the YouTube. What are you, I have to what come are you in doing? with my own theme music. Just text me, bro. Ma- I got you. Man, what a night for, right? And I think Andrew Shepard, former uh, Ramrod, uh, Ramrods for Life, uh, said it best. Shay Thrilldress Alexander. Oh man! What a, what are you booing for? Terrible. My That's goodness! Awesome. My goodness! Him and Lou Dort. If you just could get the trilogy working, who knows what this team could do? Right? Playoffs? What home court advantage? Oh, these guys look tremendous! And listen, people have been very, very uh, critical of Billy Donovan, but if he doesn't call that timeout in the third quarter. The Thunder don't really put it together. So give it up to uh, Billy Donovan, uh, part of helping the Thunder uh, sort of get their stuff together. And, uh, you know, he may play, he may uh, coach for another team, but uh, he had a lot to do with uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder getting a victory tonight. Yeah, and this ended up being the fifth largest comeback in Thunder history. That comes hot off the presses from Thunder PR. But what's so wild about this one, guys, is – we saw two preseason matchups between these teams. We saw Levine kind of shred OKC. We had the conversation about, okay, that's kind of what you expect. It's not exactly the ideal type of player for Lou Dort to you know shut down. Levine still got his 35 points on 11-19 shooting, but, but down the stretch, when the Thunder needed those stops, as, as the Bulls started to go on their offensive foul frenzy as Laurie Marketing can't get set, Kobe White, things like that, um, you know, Lou Dort slides back over to Levine, and, and when it mattered most, he came up big and, and had some big stops, put the clamps on down the stretch. Like, I think this is kind of what you want to see because th- there's so much offensive talent in this league that Lou Dort can't be that guy every single night on every single player. The league's just too versatile, but him being able to have a so-so night for that second and third quarter f- from what we've come to believe is is the standard that Lou Dort brings defensively to, to kick it into the to that other gear to to help spur that huge comeback really in the third quarter like all of this stuff is it's exactly what you want to see out of your young core and and we're just going to fire this off real quick gentlemen because you've only got you know two options maybe so so we'll run through the player of the game real quick now the franchise thunder player of the game brought to you by volkswagen of edmund i know everybody wants to say sga especially jerry ramsey I'm going to go Lou Dort, though. I, I believe a career-high six deals might have tied a career-high. I'm not 100% certain. I can't remember basketball reference from last season. But uh, when the charge was coming was on, the comeback was on, it was Lou Dort not just hitting threes, which, again, he was 4 of 11 from the three-point line, 21 points, eight rebounds. But it was the defense. And just like you said with Zach Levine, he had 35 points, uh, an efficient night from him. But when it mattered, he put the clamps on him. He brought it on both ends of the floor. 
And this is something we're probably going to talk about later on, guys, but uh, about when is it too early to give Lou Dort a, a comp or a ceiling of projecting out his career? Um, maybe it's too early or whatever. But in terms of tonight, SGA was incredibly important, but Lou Dort really helped put it over the top with his shot making and his defense and just being smart late in both the fourth quarter and overtime. Just an incredible display from him tonight. Where did I miss the part where a guy who gives up 35 points defensively is the player of the night? Yeah, he had a nice little run in the third quarter. And um, I did put on Twitter, the only guy really physically built to stick the team on his back. Uh, And Dort did a good job, but it is SGA. And guys, I've told you this for years. He's the future, not just the thunder, (laughs) but of basketball. Uh, My goodness, he showed it all. He showed it all tonight. Right? Layups with the left hand, layups with the right hand, uh, mid-range jumpers. And I listen, you know what got me? You know what really got me, Brady, Ryan, is his show of emotion. Did you see him? Oh, goodness. Don't, don't be that guy. Oh, don't be that oh guy. Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? The robot was unleashed. Tomo Arigato, Mr. Ribato, it's Kilroy. That's right, SGA not only turned into, you know, Super SGA tonight, which I guess that's what the S stands for, Super Gilders Alexander, but he showed some emotion. And I'm telling you, if you don't think that had something to do with uh, inspiring the other guys to get out there and get it done, uh, Brady, how are you poo-pooing on this? No, 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 That that observation is the equivalent of, guess what, guys, they're lifting weights now. Uh-oh, here comes Texas. They mean business this time. That that is the same thing. Like SGA is animated. I've seen him get hyped on the sideline. I've seen him get hyped with his teammates. He was just feeling himself because the Thunder got on a little run and he just wanted to keep it going. I mean, it's it's as simple as that. Even if he had just walked to the sideline, everything that happened would have happened. For the record, last season when video started to surface of Jeff Collins, the the new Georgia Tech head coach, making the walk-ons and uh, redshirt freshman lift on the sideline before the game, I got pumped. So, uh, look, Jerry, I'm with you there. And uh, don't take our word for it. Have you guys ever heard of Chris Paul? I think you have. He tweets this as it's going to overtime. Shea is special. Get to watch him for a long time. So Shea Gildas-Alexander's teammates we're not the only ones that were getting inspired by his play tonight as Chris Paul chiming in while they're doing whatever the heck they're doing in Phoenix. Look, uh, I, I agree, Shake Dillis Alexander, player of the game. If I'm going with a, a a second guy, though, in the spirit of the player of the game, I thought Kendrick Williams provided some great minutes for the Thunder. Isaiah Roby, he started off fine offensively. Um, you know, he's kind of so-so defensively. That's kind of been the story of his season so far for me. But he picked up those two fouls early. And Williams came in and really got into the flow. And he was another one of those guys for as much as we talk about Lou Dort in the third and fourth quarter down the stretch. Williams was that hustle guy, too, throwing his body in the way to uh, draw. I think he had two separate charges that he drew. He was getting out, running in transition, 14 points for him. And and I know that, you know, everyone roll your eyes. But he was a plus 21 on the box score, which is, uh, look, the, the Thunder starters, Sands, SGA, really the only ones that were positive other than Kendrick Williams. So I thought he gave the Thunder a lot tonight when uh, Isaiah Roby wasn't really that guy with Al Horford out for personal reasons. I will throw something your way, Brady, and uh, I do want your thoughts on this. When Lou Dort defensively dives on the ground and gets that loose ball, I mean, first of all, that's the first time I really thought that the Thunder had a chance to win this game. Uh, Second of all, with that, I also thought to myself, 
there's not a NBA team that doesn't want that dude. And it's not a project, and it's not, you know, that he would work well and we could figure something out. They want what Lou Dort is, a two-way player that's going to dive on the floor and do that stuff. I mean, right now, you talk about Lou Dort's ceiling. I mean, he is an NBA player that any team would want right now. I mean, yeah, no question. I mean, just from the standpoint of him being an on-ball defender is enough for what, six, seven franchises to, like, in a perfect world. Yeah, we'd love to have them. You know, basically your run-of-the-mill playoff contender, your your teams that think that they have a legitimate chance to win a title, that have superstars. Yeah, we, we don't want Kevin Durant and James Harden, and if Kyrie Irving wants to show up, we don't want them to depend on or rely on defense. They, we want them to score. We would love to have a Lou Dort out there to just do all that. Basically, you know, Andre Robertson, Tabo Seflosha, that role. So there are a lot of franchises that would love to have Lou Dort, but just from the standpoint of what else he brings is that motor, that energy, all those cliche descriptions that we use for players that aren't necessarily viewed as scores, that aren't necessarily stars, all-stars, or what have you. Lou Dort brings all of that. And, I mean, Ryan, do, we have, do, we, do you want to bring up the conversation that we had during the game. Here, let's let's go ahead and we'll take a break here. We'll regroup because uh, on the other side, we have some player comps, Jerry, for Lou Dort that we kind of want to throw at you and see where his career projection is and, and if Lou Dort is a guy that should be in the conversation for most improved player. We've got that. On the other side, we've also got a little Darius Baisley talk because it's a conversation we need to have. You are rocking with Jerry Ramsey at TV's Jerry. That's Brady Trantham at Brady Does Sports. I'm Ryan Chapman. Stay right here. Short break. We'll be right back on the friend franchise first take thunder post game show welcome back to the oklahoma city thunder first take thunder post game show presented by totallytickets.com on 1077 the franchise and 1079 the franchise tulsa welcome back in the oklahoma city thunder pick up their first home win of the season in front of the faithful media members in the Chesapeake Energy Arena. 127 to 125. The Thunder toppled the Bulls in overtime. Huge comeback in the third quarter. A 19 to 3 run to close regulation for the Oklahoma City Thunder to force overtime. Then, of course, going out doing their thing. But we're going to pick up right where we left off before the break. I'm joined. I'm Ryan Chapman. Joined by Brady Trantham and Jerry Ramsey. And guys, Lou Dort down the stretch especially, was as good as Shea Gildas Alexander was. Lou Dort is becoming that guy that you can rely on on both ends of the floor. And uh, Brady and I were kind of having this conversation off air, Jerry. So we wanted to get your thoughts on it. But there's kind of two schools of thought. And uh, Brady, tell me if I'm mischaracterizing your your uh, argument, your thought here that there's your Marcus Smarts and there's your Patrick Beverly. Like where Marcus Smarts, a guy that can go out and help win you an entire playoff series, not just a yes. game here or there. Patrick Beverly is that caliber of vendor where he can go out and win you a game, maybe two, and hopefully that's enough to flip the momentum in a series. And for a while, it looked like Lou Dort, you know, was leaning toward that Patrick Beverly. But if he continues to to shoot like this, Jerry, especially from behind the arc, if he continues to be able to do it on both ends of the floor, is it too early to start putting that Marcus Smart label on on what Lou Dort could become? I like the Marcus Smart one a lot. I really do. Uh, Lou Dort is even one better because you don't have to worry about the emotion. Here's the thing about both Patrick Beverly and Marcus Smart 
is every now and then they play with that edge, and that edge will bite you in the ass. I mean, you'll pick up a technical here and there, or sometimes they let the game get out, you know, out of their hands because they put such a chip on their shoulder. Do both of you guys agree with that or no? Well, I think we need to send him to Lubbock and see what happens. He has a chip on his shoulder. I mean, he needs to get that checked out. So, uh, well, it's a microchip, so don't worry about it. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. We've all, we're all going to have that here in a few months, Jerry. Don't worry about that. Like, that's nothing to worry about. Well, I don't know. I don't know if you read the news today. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, but, uh, listen, I'm going to go way back because I'm 150 years old, and this is a great way to shamelessly plug the old man game, uh, the brand-new multimedia uh, thing that me, John, and Brandon Rabar are doing. Uh, but here's how old I am. How about this? Michael Cooper. And I know neither one of you guys, but both of you guys love the NBA, and you know who I'm talking about. The Showtime uh, Sixth Man, Michael Cooper. Both of you guys know who I'm talking about now? Yeah, I was Obviously. born in 1990. Okay, so here's the deal with him, though. Defensively, he was the guy that they would use to, if somebody was out there just kind of going off, He, you know, he's the one that held Larry Bird. He would go out and just get the leading score uh, for a guy who was versatile. But he also was offensively a really good three-point shooter. So he could stay on the floor whenever they needed offense also. This is more of a and, – and also no ego. Zero ego. He didn't play with a chip on his shoulder. He was very smart. I think Lou Dort is incredibly smart. I think he's incredibly physical, and I think he has a ton of energy. So you've never seen anything like Lou Dort in Oklahoma City, and you rarely see it in the NBA. So I, I just I'm telling you, his ceiling goes higher and higher every time this guy has a little bit of a run. Yeah, I mean I have I have a few like levels of it. So I mean I, I say Marcus Smart or Patrick Beverly because that's the easiest one to draw from because that's who's in the league right now. Uh, Michael Cooper again, Jerry. Ryan is was born in what no, year? Ninety six. I know. Nineteen ninety six. Yeah, I was born and in nineteen ninety. Forgive me for having a bevy of knowledge, but th- but that's, you know. I dubbed the unforgiven. So Marcus Smart, Patrick Beverly, and going back to what you said, Ryan, I mean, yes, like the, the way I view those two players, Marcus Smart is a guy that uh, can influence a series, an entire playoff series. He's a guy that the opposing team has to account for. You cannot allow him to get hot from the three-point line. You know what he's going to bring on the defensive end of the floor. You cannot let Marcus Smart shoot you out of a game because that could certainly flip a series. Patrick Beverly, at his best, is just a nuisance. He can win you a game because he gets your superstar frustrated and uh, he gets shot into an inefficient night. It could lose you a game, and like you said, Ryan, uh, could hopefully flip the momentum of a series. With Lou Dort, though... It has to be somewhere in the middle. I guess that's a hedge bet. It has to be somewhere in the middle because I feel like the offensive ceiling for Lou Dort is higher than even Marcus Smart's. So I will use a player comp that's from the past as well, but it's much, much later on from Michael Cooper, and it's near and dear to my heart as a Miami Heat fan. I will say James Posey, a much shorter James Posey. James Posey was a guy that if he had been around five, six years later, that dude would have made a ton of money. He he got to the league and hit his prime a little too early. He was a legitimate 3 and D guy. He helped the Heat win a title in 06. Uh, he helped the Celtics win a title uh, with the original big three and was basically just a guy that was floating around the league be, uh, to be the guy on the perimeter to hit threes and be the pr- best perimeter defender on a team. So a Bruce Bowen type. 
I, I think Lou Dort is closer to that level. Is he going to be Bruce Bowen or James Posey? No, I'm not sitting here trying to say that. I don't think that he's going to be shooting 46% from three for his entire career, but I think the shooting mechanics are there. I think the desire and the understanding of how to get to the rim, how to put the ball on the floor, and know what to do with it are certainly there. The defense is going to be a mainstay, and it's only going to get better the more savvy he gets, the more respect he gets from around the league and around the officials if the offense continues to trend in the right direction. I mean, guys, this is just this is something more than a Swiss Army knife. Let's, in, let's insert him into a lineup to just do one thing. This is a guy that can influence a series if and when the Thunder get to that point later on once they rebuild their franchise. And I'm kind of interested in having this conversation. I know it's very early on in the season, but we, we kind of always earmark that 10-game, 11-game is in a normal season. You're an eighth of the way through the year. That's probably enough to start to try and draw some comparisons. And look, guys, I know that Shea Gildas-Alexander, he's obviously the lead man here in Oklahoma City, and he's the guy that everyone around here had on their early season most improved player, you know, one of those guys that's in your mind. But this is all that Lou Dort has done from last season to this year. Last year, 30% three-point shooting. This year, a 15% uptick as he's up to 45. He has about a, a rebound more a game. He's continued to to hold steady at .8 assists, has more blocks, same steals. So is Lou Dort actually the best candidate for most improved player? Because I think he is. I think that what he's done behind the arc, shooting 45%, look, obviously we're going to have to get 10 more games into the season to see if this is the aberration or if this is going to be what he is. But I never in my wildest dreams thought that Lou Dort was going to be a 45% uh, three point shooter. I thought if he for could, an extended period of time, yeah. not just a two or three game stretch. Yeah, exactly. I I was thinking, okay, Lou Dort. Obviously, the defense it's only going to get better as he you know gets deeper into the league, things like that. As he gets more experience, I was thinking, okay, maybe that thirty five percent mark. If he could get yeah. it up to thirty five percent and just work on some of his off ball movement, things like that, then he could be a real asset to this offense. He's become on nights where Al Horford's not playing, and even on some nights where he is playing. A legitimate number two scoring option for this team, and I never thought that that would be the case. Yeah, so the, the cautionary tale, real quick, guys, is that at one point in his career, Terrence Ferguson shot over forty percent from three on about five attempts per game. He did that for about a month and a half, you know, like a month and a half stretch, and we all thought, "Oh my gosh, the Thunder have finally found their two guard. They have finally found their complement to their stars. The sky's the limit." Right? Ever since that time, Terrence Ferguson never sniffed a consistent amount, even for a week like he shot during that time and is now with Philly and not getting any time. So uh, it is what it is. That's the cautionary tale, though, because it is an 11-12 game stretch for Lou Dort, but a lot of basketball to be played. I Listen, I am not the guy that's going to hot take or hyperbole with the Oklahoma City Thunder. I'm just not because I've seen a lot of basketball. Lou Dort is the real thing. And what the Commandant might think he is, he's not. He's not Tabo. He's not Terrence Ferguson. He's not Andre Robertson. He legitimately is going to be a major player in whatever the future of the Oklahoma City Thunder is. Is that shooting 40% from three? Brady, I'm with you. I don't know. I don't know. But all I know is it looks a lot better than it did last year. Uh, is he the most improved player in the NBA? Sorry, he's not. It's Christian Wood. 
Hate to really douse water on that one. But what he's going to be is a consistent, um, not even role player, a consistent starter for the Thunder for the next three or four years. And I'm telling you, if if he's fully realized now and is just going to maintain what he is now, that's good enough. I think that's what people might not understand. What Lou Dort is right now, you'll take that for two and a half, three years without improvement. Now, you're an idiot if you don't think he's going to improve on stuff, but sustained what he is right now, he is a real NBA uh, combo guard, and he is ready to roll anywhere. That's how impressed I am with Lou Dort right now. So the other end of that is coming into the season, the the trinity that everyone keeps throwing out there, Shea Gildas-Alexander, Lou Dort, Darius Baisley. For as good as Lou Dort has been, Darius Baisley over over the last couple of games, guys, he has just gone the other way. And I know that this is a growing experience for everyone, Darius especially. He's now being tasked with a lot of nights, uh, drawn a really tough defensive assignment, and and I think it's really hurt him offensively. If we're just going to go back, let's just go back to uh, the start of that road trip, okay? He, he goes to Orlando, Thunderwind 108-99, and he's a huge part of that. 7-10 shooting, he was great. And then from that point forward, 5-10, of 8-20, of 2-9, of 2-6, of 4-14, of 1-5, and tonight, 3-12. of 12. So for as optimistic as everyone is around Lou Dort, thinking that he's the real thing, is this more what Darius Baisley is going to do, or, or is this just a case of this is not the real Darius Baisley, it's just a tough stretch for him, and it's too early to to be a little bit worried about what's going on here. Yeah, I still think highly of Darius Baisley. I think this is just a bad, it's just a bad rut, and I mean every player is liable to go through this, especially this season. And the team at some point, and probably sooner rather than later, get going by their schedule, the team's going to go through a, a losing streak. SGA is going to go through a bad scoring streak. He's going to go through a, a streak of games where he doesn't get any like that many assists at all. It has a lot of turnovers, and Darius Bates is just kind of in his bad streak right now. I think because I, I have, I, I can go by eye test. I can go by some numbers uh, based on what we saw last year, and especially after what we saw in the bubble, where Darius Baisley was probably the second or third best player on some nights, and. To, according to a lot of Thunder fans and probably some of us, did not play near enough minutes in the postseason against the Rockets. So I tend to just kind of lean more towards this is just kind of the culmination of Darius Baisley having more responsibility, getting more minutes, and being tasked with defensive responsibilities that he may not be physically ready for at this point and that it bleeds into the offensive side of his game because that's leading to a lot of inefficient uh, shooting nights. I believe it was 3 of 12 tonight. The other night... Uh, wasn't much better. Brooklyn, he didn't do that well. Outside of that initial third quarter, what was it against? Uh, was it Orlando or New Orleans, where he scored 11 points in the first four minutes? That's been the one outlier, basically, over the last two weeks offensively for Darius Baisley. So I want to believe that this is just a bad run. and At some point, that initial three is going to fall. He always takes a, an opening quarter three uh, to start the game, and it just hasn't fallen for him. Maybe if that opening quarter three falls for him, maybe it's a different story offensively for him in that particular game. Listen, I'm not that smart of a guy, okay? And I'm not going to pretend that I coached at a high level or I played at a high level or whatever, but I've covered this team for a long damn time, and I've covered the NBA for you know a long time. We get it. You're old, Jerry. We get it. I don't understand the offense. 
I don't understand the offense. And where Lou Dort makes it work, he somehow figured out a way to fit in there. And obviously, SGA has the green light to do whatever he wants, and he does. I, I don't know how you get Darius Baisley going. And I'd love you guys' thoughts on this, too. I mean, is it like you need to isolate for him? Do you need to involve him in pick and rolls? Like, what what does... Uh, what does it for Darius Baisley? And I, I just, I don't know. I haven't seen it, so I can't tell you. Hey, for the next five games, they should involve him in a high pick and roll and give him the option to to roll out or to shoot or you know to sit in a corner and get warmed up or start him off and maybe go down low whenever he gets and give him a mismatch with a guard. Like I, I don't know what gets Darius Baisley rolling in this offense. Yeah, and this is what I've been kind of confused by. Uh, you noted it tonight, Jerry, on Twitter, talking about how there was a little pick-and-pop action with SGA and, and Pokashevsky, and it's you know the, the skinniest pick and all that stuff. But we see this a lot with uh, both Pokashevsky and Mascala, that there's some pick-and-pop, pick-and-roll option, uh, action there. And I really feel like that should be the spot that they're sliding Baisley into because while I, right now with how Mike Mascala is shooting the ball, I, I may not feel more comfortable with Baisley taking a three over Mascala. I'd say in the long run, that's what you want. And I definitely feel a lot better about Baisley like attacking the bucket than either Poku or Mascala. I don't understand why that's not the area they're using Baisley because otherwise it's just kind of Shea has these moments where he's in the lane and he decides to hit the panic button and the eject and just starts chucking it out to whoever is chilling on the perimeter uh, tonight. You know, Kendrick Williams, Kendrick Williams and uh, Lou Dort were, were great in that situation. I just don't think that right now, especially with with the rough patch that Baisley's going through, I don't know if he's that guy that you want just hanging out by the three point line. Like, I feel like if you get him involved in that pick and roll, pick and pop game, even if. Shea decides to take the shot himself. Darius Baisley kind of can get that little rub of being like, "Yes, I was, I was the pick that that opened that up." You know, he's he's getting involved with success on the offense, and and I think more than anything, just him having any kind of success, any kind of assist, screen assist, anything like that would be helpful to to a young guy going through a rough patch. Yeah, you're right, but I, I think like macro speaking, I never thought that the match with Al Horford and Darius Baisley was going to work. In terms of, I think that that hinders Darius Baisley's uh, development because Al just does a lot of the things that Darius that I want to see Darius Baisley do, but obviously at a much higher level because he's Al Horford. Darius Baisley is essentially still a rookie, and having him, you know, having him on the floor at the same time in the starting five, I mean, yeah, it rele- it relegates Darius Baisley basically to just hanging around the three point line, and and even still. This was the case uh, two or three games ago. I don't know if it's still the case now, but it might be since Al Horford's missed two games since then. But Darius Baisley's still leading the team in rebounds. Uh, Al Horford's like behind him by a, a rebound and a half. So Darius Baisley's still doing his job on the defensive side, on the defensive glass for the most part. But I think offensively, Al Horford does a lot of the same things that I that I want to see Darius Baisley do. And it's not just you know stretching the floor. We know Darius Baisley has the ability to do it in that his three point shot does not look broken. We have seen him hit it at a high, high clip, high percentage for a period of time. So this these poor shooting nights, they're gonna, hopefully going to be few and far between the further along we get into his career. But I want to see more Darius Baisley with the ball in his hands at the top of the key trying to facilitate because his court vision is right up there with SGA's. It's right up there with Al Horford's. But when Al Horford's on your team, you're going to have him play that role because he's just better at, better at it. So if and when 
there's a time where Al Horford is traded from this team. That's when I think you can see a little bit more of Darius Baisley. And if Darius Baisley is still having terrible nights like he's having now, you know, strung together for over a period of time, that's when you can start raising some red flags. So anytime I see Darius Baisley have some bad games in a row with Al Horford on this team, I, I think it's not good. It's not the end of the world, though. Before I get out of here, a couple of things. Uh, I saw, uh, it looks like Kendrick Williams said that uh, George Hill gave him a halftime speech, which I forget sometimes. These young guys are still young enough that like a halftime speech is a thing. Could you imagine somebody giving the Nets a halftime speech the way that they're constructed right now? Like, <laughs> I, I like to imagine that Steve Nash avoids speaking at halftime. He's just like, this is what you guys wanted. Go figure it out. Uh, uh, listen, I have been very critical whenever uh, I thought that the face of the organization, SGA, was not doing what he needed to do, or at least they weren't putting him in positions where he was uh, going to develop and do what he needed to do. Tonight was perfect in the second half for SGA. They looked terrible. They looked dead in the water. The offense was gross. Defensively, they're getting bullied. Ryan and called then, it. like This was about to be the worst loss of the season, not just because it's at home, but I mean, this just was... Just because it looked bad. This yes. was almost as bad as the Heat game. Yeah. No, no. It, lo- it looked like they, they had a chance to give up. They really did. Uh, but they come to life, and SGA comes to life. And here's what I loved. It, there was nothing flukish about what SGA was doing. He was getting to the basket, and yes, he was doing all the finesse stuff. The scoop shot was just amazing that he goes baseline and does. It really was. I'm using the word amazing, and I'm not joking. It was really, really uh, good. But he was absorbing contact towards the end to get that three-point play. Leading the team, uh, Mike Muscala uh, said in the post that he told him to stay ready. I mean, this is turning into a guy that can lead your squad. Am I completely sold that he's the alpha? No, I'm not. But nights like tonight go a long way uh, for me telling Thunder fans that you've got a pretty bright future with that kid. Darnell Mayberry covers the Bulls for the Athletic. I hope he asked him, hey, I hope he asked Billy Don in the postgame, so why did you continue to put Kobe White on SGA late? Because it, it didn't look like it worked. It, it didn't seem like a good idea. And it did not work whatsoever. I mean, like you said, Jerry, SGA was just getting to the rim. And this is what I've, you know, we've talked about Lou Dort, we've talked about Darius Baisley this entire show. This is what I've wanted to see out of SGA this entire time. Because the Thunder, you know, what are they? Are they five, they're six and, five, six and five now on the season? I don't know. Are they six? Are Stand they six, by. Yes. They're six and six. There we go. They six are, and six. They're six yeah. and six on the season. They've not been blown out in every single game that they've lost. They've been in the majority of the games that they've lost late. They've been into one or two possession games, and I've wanted to see SGA take over. He's tried to facilitate late, and for the most part, those decisions are correct because he got Al Horford so many open opportunities late against the Spurs. Horford just couldn't hit the dang shot. I've wanted to see SGA try to take over, and tonight was the first time where I'm like, that is how the face of your franchise plays. That's how your all-star, your top 20, top 15 player in the league performs during winning time. I know it's the Bulls, but guess what? The Thunder aren't good either. The Thunder have the worst offense in the league. The Bulls have the worst defense in the league. So something had to give tonight, and it's just so poetic and so fitting that this game went into overtime because of that. But And let's not forget, Zach Levine had a chance to hit a shot that the Bulls would have won. 
Right. So I mean, it's it's not like the Thunder, you know, went uh, going away with it. There was still a chance there. Well, even and, in, uh, even if he did, Jerry, like I, I would still probably have a lot of the same thoughts that I have right now about this team and about I agree. about how the young guys perform. Like, hey, they came back down twenty two. They didn't quit. That's what you want to see out of your young squad in a year where you don't expect to win that many games. I agree. I totally agree with that. So, by the way, George Hill, knock down your free throws, damn it. Look, he's he's so, made a career out of doing that. Uh, J.R. Smith yeah. is uh, on the other line. Yeah, for sure, for sure. One last thing I do think as well, Brady, piggybacking off your SGA thing, that uh, early in the season, it seems like SGA's gotten caught in no man's land in the lane just once, twice a game where it ends up as just a really awful shot or a bad turnover. Tonight, he turned those into drawing fouls. So I thought that was, if he can figure that out, if he's not going to eliminate that altogether, but he can figure out how to start drawing that call, I think that is a very good sign indeed. Jerry, thank you so much for joining us. He will be dipping out, but we still have one more segment left. We're going to take you around association, and I want to have a conversation about the bigs in Oklahoma City with Sir Brady Trantham. I'm Ryan Chapman. Keep it locked in right here. This is your thun- uh, your franchise first take Thunder post game show. We'll be right back. 66. Welcome back to the Oklahoma City Thunder first take Thunder post game show presented by TotallyTickets.com on 107.7 The Franchise and 107.9 The Franchise Tulsa. Gotta wait for it, Brady. I got scared for a second. You gotta wait for it. You gotta wait for it. The Thunder beat the hometown Chicago Bulls. See, see what I did there. Oh, I see. You see, uh, Thunder first home win, one twenty-seven to one twenty-five overtime. SGA Shagilgis Alexander or Shagilgis Alexander for those of you out there that, if you know, you know. 33 points on 13 of 19 shooting. Lou Dort, 21 points tonight. 7 of 15. He was 4 of 11 from it deep. Kenrich Williams, 14 points. 6 of 6 from the field. 1 of 2 from the line. We're going to get to the bigs here in a second. We're going to get to a round association here in a second. But a conversation that I had with you, Brady Trantham, I wanted to bring it to the masses. So we're in the Chesapeake Energy Arena. You, me, a few select other media. We're up in the clouds ensuring that we don't get anywhere near the players, don't get any of the, you know, the uh, anywhere near them. And yeah, I don't want their cooties either. And I see the poor in arena DJ. He's DJing to a crowd of literally nobody. There is, are a few scouts on hand. There's a, there's a few scouts, there's players, and there's media. But for the most part, it's a bunch of people trying to do a job. They're not there for a party. They're not there for a rave. Nothing of the sort. And then the Thunder put him up on the big screen. Poor guy's having to dance to his mix that's playing with no crowd. So, Brady, I ask you, if, if you are put in charge... That's a bad idea. ...of disc jockeying an empty arena, are you going with funny stuff? Are you just, like, are you just putting on a show for yourself? Or, like, what are you trying to do there? Like, what? it's a no-win situation. I just play music that I want to listen to because I'm like, someone. if someone doesn't want to listen to this, tell me. And then you just give the crowd a, a chance to answer. And upon no answer, I'm like, all right, here comes Slayer. Does anyone <laughs> object to this union? No? No? Nobody? Darn. Let's listen to Anthrax. It, nothing says... I don't, I don't think that's allowed, Brady. I don't think you're allowed to send Anthrax in an arena. No, no, not, not smell or taste. 
listen. No. Uh, nothing says basketball like thrash metal, so I don't know about you. I mean, but, I, not exactly what I would go with, but that's why you are Brady Trantham. You're one of a kind, my friend. No, I'm not. I'm just a, I'm a poser, as some would say. No, bless his heart, the uh, in arena DJ, but... I mean, I'll tell I'll tell you this as somebody who I mean, to all the fun fans out there, look, I cannot wait for the day where you're all in the arena as well because uh, basketball is it's an interesting sport. You are of course fixed on the game being played, but if you're at the game, even for us, Ryan, like in the media, where we're not there to like really cheer or anything, but uh, basketball really is helped by the atmosphere that it's being played in. So. Tonight is a perfect example. The Thunder come back down from 22. It would have been dead quiet even with 18,000 fans in there. And we would have all had our stories in our head already written. We would have all had our takes ready for the post-game show. But the second the Thunder went on a you know a 10-2 run, that arena would have woken back up. And when Lou Dort started raining those threes down and the Thunder got within three or four, and it was a different ball game, that arena would have been so deafening loud we even as media would have been so engaged in just the not just the game but the just the moment and it's sorely lacking by there being no fans and i obviously understand why there are more important things in the world that need to be taken care of before we get to that time uh but yeah as somebody who's been fortunate enough to be in the arena for these games it's it's not the same and tonight would have been a great time for uh loud city in oklahoma city to show out well and another thing that the fans have been robbed of and the team has been robbed of is is this is when you think all the way back to early days phase one of thunder basketball that very young team with kevin durant james harden russell westbrook when those guys are trying to figure out how to win and they're doing nothing but giving a ton of effort and flashing this incredible potential offensively i remember back watching those games as a kid seeing the passion of Russell Westbrook, the passion of Kevin Durant, the passion of James Harden when he still played defense and was engaged on both ends of the floor. <laughs> Remember when he was like a San Antonio Spurs type player? I know, right? And now he's just weird. So, sorry, I, I did everything I could except you know succeed in the postseason. I just I, I love this city, I'm doing everything I can. Don't know how this he's going to get fixed, but, but like those moments. You know, Jerry tonight kind of said, you know, look at Shea and, and his emotion and how he's firing up his team. Okay, imagine it's not just his team that he's turning to. It's those fans in the front row. It's, it's the fans behind the bucket. Yeah, that, like, that relationship is lost. Yeah, this is where this young core gets to hit the franchise reset. They get to do it their way. They get to build that relationship, and the fans have been robbed of it. The players have been robbed of it. And it just, it's a sterile environment, and sports in a sterile environment aren't fun. I mean, the highest point this, this franchise has reached is winning the Western Conference Finals against the Spurs in 2012, up to the point where they won game one of the NBA Finals. And I still go back to when the Thunder beat the Spurs and eliminated them to go to the Finals. Just the, the look on the players' faces... Uh, Sam Presti, Scott Brooks, all the players getting just deafening ovations when the TNT crew would let them, you know, talk at midcourt, uh, accepting the Western Conference trophy. I mean, that's lost. Is it going to be lost forever? No, because at some point we're going to get back to normal, God willing, and we're going to have fans in the arena. And then SGA, Lou Dort, all these guys are going to be able to interact and connect and make memories. This is all corny talk, especially in the era of player empowerment. This is all corny because. Uh, for all we know, SGA becomes an all-star, and then once his second contract is up, we'll leave. 
I mean, that's just what we know of the NBA right now. So it doesn't matter that, oh, well, he has all these memories of like high-fiving with Thunder fans in the front row. He's surely not going to leave. Now, it's corny, but in the moment, it's special. And it's something that we remember. It's something that I remember. So it, this entire thing has robbed us of so much. And this let ranks low on the totem pole, but we're on a Thunder postgame show. We were just in the an empty arena, and uh, it's just it's on our mind now. Well, and at the end of the day, there's only one team every year that goes home winners. There's only one team that wins the title, and for the most part, that doesn't exist in a vacuum. It's not like you have a one in thirty shot at winning a title because you you just don't. The, the Lakers have a better shot than the Thunder every year, basically. Um, while LeBron James is on that roster, while this team's rebuilding, stuff like that. And so there's so much more than just winning that title. And like you said, it is cheesy or whatever, but like the memories you make along the way, that they do matter. And it just sucks to be robbed of that. But enough of that, Brady. You ready to uh, go around the association? Oh, yes. Now, a franchise NBA playoff scoreboard update presented by Bank 7. Not the playoffs. Get that fixed, Ryan. Okay, we've got... Let's take care of business, Brady. Three games did not happen tonight. Wizards-Pistons, the the tank battle. That's the real tank battle. That didn't happen. Grizzlies-Timberwolves, Warriors-Suns. Those three games weren't played. If you don't know, just you know, do some research. You'll be sad. All right, games that did happen, though. The Boston Celtics take out the Orlando Magic. The Magic, after starting the season undefeated, now fall to 6-6. Six and six. Jalen Brown... 21 points, 8 assists, a big night for him. The Cleveland Cavaliers, they topple the New York Knickerbockers, 106-103. to Andre Drummond, welcome back to the league. Holy crap. You ready for this stat line, Brady? 33 points, 23 boards, and 3 assists. Cleveland is the center of centers, and uh, showed out tonight for a big win. And all I want is Drummond to be dealt so I can see more Jared Allen. Yes, 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 yes. All right, moving through some other stuff. The Bucks beat the Mavericks 112-109. to Luka with 28, 9, and 13. Giannis with 31 points, 9 rebounds, and just one assist. Obviously, the game that we all tuned in for tonight, Thunder win 127-125 to in overtime. Uh, this game, it's not uh, an official game. Uh, the Utah Jazz beat a team called the Atlanta Hawks, 116-92. I'm not sure that actually happened, but Clint Capella, 16-11 and 0 assist. Donovan Mitchell, 26 points looks tonight. Like, looks like Trey was like awful tonight from the floor. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to talk about Hashtag it. Hashtag Sooners. I don't want to talk about it. You want, you want to know uh, another Sooner in the league? Yeah, he's getting the doors beat off him, too. The Kings are losing 67-84. I, I was about to say Blake Griffin. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, that one's in the middle of the third quarter, about oh six minutes left, six minutes and some change left in the third quarter. Clippers up 84-67 to on Sacramento. And then this one just, uh, second half just got rolling. The Lakers have a one-point advantage at home over the New Orleans Pelicans, 59 to 58. Okay, that was around the association. Brady, I do want to have one quick conversation before we get out of here, and that is with uh, the bigs and, and what the future is for this Thunder franchise. Al Horford, not in the long-term plans, obviously. The plan, as we understand it, is he'll be sitting out the second night of most back-to-backs. Tonight, not one of those situations. He was out for personal reasons, and this is... Look, I understand that it's hard to identify holes in the roster of a team that's not really actively trying to make the playoffs, but outside of Al Horford, you've got Baisley that can slide over, you've got Roby, 
and Kendrick Williams who have come in and played some, you know, small ball forward and, and center form. You've got Mike Muscala. Like, is this one of those positions that you're circling Brady as in the next two to three years, this is something the Thunder have to target in the draft to figure out what to do at the center position so that Baisley can move over to the four and, and kind of, you know, get paired with a front court asset that, that makes sense and gets the best out of him? Well, I think it's easy to say that if there is a seven foot one unicorn that can shoot, that can stretch the floor, that can put the ball on the floor, <laughs> on this roster. you bet your tail that Sam Press is going to try an angle to get him in the draft. Otherwise, I mean, gone are the days of trying to go after a guy like Steven Adams through the draft. Like the Thunder just, uh, they're trying to build a roster, and I think they're trying to build a starting five where every player on the floor can do multiple things. That doesn't mean that everybody on the floor can shoot. That doesn't mean that everybody on the floor can facilitate or dribble. It's just no more one-sided players. We all love Steven Adams. He's he's playing the Lakers right now at the Pelicans, and it's still really weird to see him in a Pelicans jersey. But he was a essentially a one-sided player, and I mean that by only talking about players in the postseason. If you are played off the floor because you can't bring it on both ends, you, you bring no value to a playoff contender or a team that fancies themselves even higher than that, a, a conference t- title uh, contender or a finals contender. So, yes, if there is a unicorn available or coming out of Europe or what have you, the Thunder are going to probably go after him. Otherwise, they're probably putting all their stock into a Darius Baisley making leaps, uh, and even Alexei Pokashevsky, who is two or three years away from being two or three years away. Um, I think you can obviously see a scenario where not starting games, but finishing games, Darius Baisley is a small ball five, or maybe even Pokashevsky if his body matures and he fills out. So I'd say that's your that's your seven one unicorn right there, Brady. He's on the roster. He's just what what does he look like when he's 22, 23? That like that's my big question. Forget about his ability to score. Forget about his ability to defend. Just what does he look like? Does he look complete? Is it going to be something like Steven Adams where we put the picture of him as a rookie next to the picture of him now where it's like, whoa, looks like a swash what happened pirate? to this dude? Yeah, what, is this the same person? Like, is, is it going to be that type of transformation? Because uh, that will go a long way in dictating what he is defensively just because he is a physical mismatch in the bad way. He's a physical disadvantage uh, to the Thunder for the most part defensively. So that's the big question. I, I just don't... You you don't want an Andre Drummond. You don't you don't want a Stephen Adams. You don't want a player who's one sided. So it's not going to be something at the top of their list. And and also you could find somebody through a trade. Like if right. if that's the one thing that keeping them from a, a really good starting five two or three years down the road, the Thunder can just go through that through trade. I, I see the center position uh, basically as the running back position in the NFL. A running back does not make or break you you're not going to go all in on a running back for your offense but it can put you over the top like Kansas City getting Clyde Edwards Alaire that helped put an already over the top offense even more over the top because that guy is so damn versatile but if you can get a guy who can stretch the floor can put the ball on the floor can pass dribble do everything that puts you over the top but those are very rare why are you gonna bring the Chiefs into this, bro? This is a basketball show. Are the Raiders doing anything? This is a safe space. The Dolphins aren't doing anything they, either. They just acquired the uh, the Aces, the Las Vegas Aces, is what uh, the Raiders and Mark Davis did. But uh, wait, they're not gonna be called the Raiders anymore. What? I, I thought. You, 
Oh, okay. No, that Mark Davis just bought the WNBA team. The Las oh, Vegas Aces. see, that shows how much I know about the WNBA. Oh, unfortunately, no, no, there's there's still the Raiders. Don't worry, don't worry. I, I just loaded up on a bunch of hoodies. No, I, like I think you're right as far as it, it, you can look at the guys that might not necessarily be key players for this team are still in power. The, the Kendrick Williamses, the uh, Isaiah Robies, they're still in power. That hey, if you get the board, push it, push it in transition. Because this is the philosophy that that Dagnalt wants to implement and, and that Presti wants to implement going forward, they're trying to, you know, bring modern basketball to Oklahoma City. Have an offensive philosophy. Um, you know, Mark Dagnalt talks about that all the time, which is why I talk about it all the time because that's what they're trying to do. So it'll be something. Whereas I, I think, look, people talked about it. I'm not saying that you're going to get a guy the quality of Wiseman, but you know, a lot of people say. In a better, deeper draft, Wiseman's probably not a number one guy. He, he's kind of fallen a little bit farther back, not too low. Or um, Okonkwu, who went uh, to my Atlanta Hawks. A, a guy like that, versatile big. Um, I, I'm just thinking you want someone with just a little bit bigger frame that can be paired with Darius Yeah, no question. Yeah, because like we've mentioned before, Al Horford is, is not that guy. I thought that Steven Adams is an okay uh, guy to slide in alongside Darius, Darius Basley. is an option at best. Like yeah. When we were talking about the five when you talk about the center he is an option and that's great to have but it's not your not your starter not the guy logging the most minutes at that position by any means so yeah you definitely want somebody with a bigger frame you definitely want someone maybe even with a higher ceiling that's the is of course like the most optimistic best case scenario but when you're talking about a franchise like the thunder that have all these draft picks from now until the end of the time you can kind of talk yourself into that it's not a far-fetched idea it's kind of somewhat realistic if you think about it because there's going to be some talent coming out of the draft not just next season but in years to come so it's always something you can look forward to but this is a very minor bullet point to this for sure but what is is Isaiah Roby done anything for you he and he is not he, he he's not even the answer even if he does become something because he's six foot eight but I gotta say every time he gets an opportunity I come away going the Thunder have something there I I hate everything he does defensively. It's because of his size. Yeah. And, and so he's got to figure that out. But this is also, I'm trying not to hold that against him because this is the first opportunity he's gotten. So I, I think he's shown you enough offensively that he's a guy you keep around for two or three years and, and see if he gets there. But he's going to have to figure something out defensively. Yeah. yeah. To, I mean, to be, even be a rotational guy for me. That's why it's a minor bullet yeah, point to this, this sure. overall question. It doesn't answer anything. And even if he becomes... I don't know what that thing is when I say something, but I mean I, I don't know. It's interesting because let, let's say that SGA, Darius, and Lou hit their ceilings fairly quickly, and let's say Hamadou Diallo is a big part of that equation as well. So you got four young guys, and the Thunder are right back where they started from when they had all these great young talent, all this great young talent to start off with, but they needed a center to stop the Lakers and the Spurs, and they go all in and get some center. And they forget, oh, yeah, everybody can shoot that finishes a game on the floor. And we have essentially 2023 version of Kendrick Perkins. That ain't going to work. 
Well, that's where you have to hope that Sam Presti has learned his lesson. That's going to do it for us tonight, though. Brady Trantham, thank you so much. At Brady Does Sports on the Twitter machine. I am Ryan Chapman. At Radio's Ryan Thunderwind, 127-125. to 125. First home win over the Bulls. They'll be back in action Sunday. Final game of their four-game homestand. They're going to host the Philadelphia 76ers. Joel Embiid will not be a part of that game. Has already been announced. For Brady, I'm Ryan. Once again, keep it locked in all season long right here on 107.7 The Franchise. Last night's sleep? Interrupted by pain? Tonight, silence it. With new Zequel Night Pain. Restful sleep, now with powerful pain relief. Zequel Night Pain combines America's number one sleep aid with a maximum strength pain reliever. So you can fall asleep fast and wake feeling rested because pain should never get in the way of a great night's sleep. New Zequel Night Pain. Silence pain. Sleep soundly.